But I hope you're doing well this morning. I know it was a dreary morning. Uh, I knew that because when I got up and I went to leave this morning, my cat was standing by the door doing his typical meow, let me out, and I opened it and he saw the rainy, dreary weather and he said, uh-uh, and he left. And, uh, and I kind of looked at him and I was like, you know, I kind of want to do the same thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you ventured out with us this morning and said that I'm going to come and be a part of what's going on at Family Life Church. Um, if you're new here and are visiting and have never had the chance to meet you before, uh, my name is Chris Massey. I'm another one of the pastors here at the church. And it's just so awesome that we get the opportunity to celebrate together the faithful things that God is doing in our midst, and just to, to be able to give Him glory in that way. We started last week into a series called Radical Year. You know, it's just the beginning of the new year. It's 2022. Um, I wrote that for the first time this week, and I got to be honest, I'm not digging it. It's too many twos. And my twos are ugly. Uh, but, you know, we're into 2022. A lot of people, you know, maybe anybody have a New Year's resolution that you set for yourself? Nobody wants to raise their hand because they know the next question will be, have you kept it? And it's like, no, I haven't. Uh, but, you know, it's this time of year that you go in. I was in Sam's Club Friday night, and it's like, man, there's pallet after pallet after pallet of fast shakes and protein bars and everything else. Everybody's like, this is the time of year. This is the, this is the year of skinny me. And, uh, you know, usually by February, here we are again. But uh, <laughs> myself included, I, I can't point fingers. But it's awesome to just think about that, but in the midst of really thinking about the idea of the new year and the newness, I really as a church wanted to focus on making this a radical year for Jesus. Letting this be the year when we say, you know what, I want to take a radical step in my life in honoring Jesus. And, and for every one of us, that's going to look a little bit differently. Whether you're a person who is just starting in your faith journey, just getting to know God and who he is and what he wants for you, taking a step to say, you know what, I want to, I want to take that next level for my life of what it means to live for Jesus. Or maybe you've been here since Moses was placed in a basket in the, the Nile River, and you're like, you know what, I want to take a step too. I'm willing to let God use me in another season of ministry. I want to believe God to make this a radical year for him. And, and we can all be in that place, but it all takes decision. We all have to make the decision for ourselves to say, I choose to let myself be surrendered to God's plan for my life. So we kind of introduced that last Sunday, and over the next three weeks, my goal is to maybe unpackage that practically. How? How do you start to live more radically for Jesus, okay? And, and that's what we're going to look at over these next couple weeks, beginning this week in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 1 this morning. You can read the Bibles. i got to fix this. This is terrible. Talk amongst yourselves. All right, is that better? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Some of you don't get that. It's okay. All right, Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 5. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Can you say all with me this morning? All of us used to live that way. Following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And this is it. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. This is so important. 
You know, I've kind of been in awe of this and, and really taken the time to think back to what it means to be saved by God. What does it mean to be His and to radically understand how we live for Him every day of our lives? And first and foremost in doing that is realizing that we were all saved by grace and that we were, all came from a place where we were dead in our sins. And maybe if you read in other translations, it says we were dead in our transgressions. But all of us needed it. And here's the really awesome thing. It was undeserved. You know, I did not deserve for God to send his one and only son. As we read in John 3.16, it says that God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be set free and have eternal life. I did not deserve that. And guess what? This is going to be a shocker. You didn't either. Let's take that shock a step further. The most ungodly person that you can imagine who is wicked and vile and does things that you think are absolutely detestable, Jesus died for them too. And you are no more deserving of the grace of God than they. It was undeserved what God did. And I was reading in my devotions this morning and came across this reading in Jeremiah 31, 33. And I love this because this is God's promise that he speaks over Israel and this idea of what he's doing in them. And this is during a time in the book of Jeremiah where God is saying, listen, you've turned your backs on me. I have to punish you. I have to do these things because you've been wicked. But even in that, he seals it with promise. And in Jeremiah 31, 33, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Even though you've done all of these things, even though you've messed up and you've, you've sinned and fallen away from me and you deserve punishment, you will be my people and once again, I will be your God. Now the devotion I've been reading is from Charles Spurgeon. Have you ever heard Charles Spurgeon before? Great priest, uh, yeah, priest, preacher from the uh, late 1800s, led to some incredible revivals all over England. But Charles Spurgeon says, if... This does not make thine eyes sparkle and thy heart beat high with bliss, then assuredly thy soul is not in a healthy state. What does that mean? If you can't stop and read about the fact that you were once dead in sin and Jesus raised you to life and get just a little bit excited about it, he says your soul is in a bad place. Because this should excite you every day of your life. You should be like, woo! Ah, pretty good for a fat guy. That's awesome. I can't, I did that in first service and everybody was like, wow. I would have never guessed you could get your feet off the ground. Rude. But we should be excited about that. It should overwhelm us with joy to realize, to remember that we did not deserve for Jesus to save us. We did not deserve for him to go to the cross and take our sins upon himself so that we can be saved. I'm no more deserving of it than everybody who curses the name of God, people who do the most wicked things that we can even come up with, everything that we said last week that we're fed up with. When we look at those things, we cannot get into the place of thinking, well, I deserved it more than they do. It was undeserved. And can I tell you, the further we get from the joy, the bliss of remembering what God has done for us, the closer we get into thinking that we did deserve it. I was worth it. I was worth it. I was worth Jesus going to the cross for. I was worth it because he saw value in my life. He saw meaning in my life. He saw things that he could do. And I was worth it to him. Listen, church, we vastly misunderstand how terrible sin is in our lives and how great the grace of God is to save us when we get to the point of thinking that we deserved it. 
I'm going to go to another microphone. Pause. Talk amongst yourselves. There, is that better? There we go. It's not normally like this. I'm usually much less animated and jumpy. We didn't deserve it. We did not deserve for God to do what he's done for us in church. The, the closer we get to realizing this in our lives, this is one of the first steps in practically accepting what it means to become radical for God is a full understanding that what Jesus did for me, I did not deserve. And what he desires to do for my neighbors, for my coworkers, for my family members, for people that if I'm being honest with myself, I can't stand and don't want to be around, he did it as much for them as he did for me, and I am no less deserving of it than they are. God died for all of us so that we could be saved. So after understanding it's undeserved, he says this next in verses 6 and 7. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. I like to reference this as God showing off. Sometimes God just gets out there and he just shows off a little bit about how good he is. How is that? Because when he can take somebody who was dead in sin and who was really messed up and save their lives, he can use that later to point to that person and say, you know what, if I can save this person, I can save anybody. I've met people over the years who are just so convinced that there's no way that God would ever forgive them. They'll say, if I were to step foot in that church, pastor, I hope your insurance is paid up because that place would burst into flames. I'm like, wow, you think a lot of yourself, don't you? Let me tell you, brother, God has saved more wicked souls than yours. He has healed people of greater disease than you. And he shows off in doing it. And this is exactly why he says he does it, so that for future ages he can point to his grace and kindness to all ages and show how good he is. You know, the way that this is done is through something, maybe you've heard of this before, you haven't. It's called your testimony. How many of you ever heard the word testimony before? Testimony is the story of God's redemptive grace in our lives. It's the story of God working in and through us. And this is really important because if you read in the book of Revelation, at the end of everything that takes place, God describes in Revelation 12 verse 11 what his great mass weapon of warfare is going to be against the enemy to end this battle of all ages. And he said it's going to happen because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And God says, I'm doing this so that I can show off to the world just how good I am through you. Now, there are two people with two kinds of testimonies that I'm going to point to this morning. There's the one over here who has done a lot of wicked and terrible things in their lives, okay? You know, I know years we used to have Teen Challenge would come. I don't know if you've ever heard of Teen Challenge. It's a Christian-based drug and alcohol rehabilitation program uh, that's not for teens. It's for grown-ups. It's confusing, but just follow me. But they would come and they would do services and they would stand here and talk about, I was in a gang and I was doing all these things and abusing people and hurting people and destroying things and I hurt my family and I was on drugs and alcohol and I was wayward and lost and, and I was just so messed up and God saved me. And they give that testimony. At the same time, there's a person standing over here who says to themselves, well, I just kind of grew up in the church and I've been here my entire life and I went to Sunday school from the time I was born and I went to every VBS and the only drug problem I ever had is my parents drug me to church every day of the week. 
And so they look at that and they're saying to themselves, my testimony could never compete with that. My testimony could never compete with that because it's not dramatic enough and it's not, there's no great thing that the heavens opened and the hallelujah chorus came. My life is just boring and ho-hum and the way I'm living for Jesus doesn't really, it's not much of a testimony. Church, can I tell you that God says I've given both as proof of my grace and mercy to the world around you. You know, my children have never had a week of their lives where they were not in some way interacting with the church, the Bible, prayer, Jesus in some way. Since they were born, we have done for that. And and Lord willing, my prayer for them is that they never in their lives experience the things, the heartache, the brokenness that individuals have had to face in their lives. But to be able to stand up and say, the grace of God is so big and so awesome and so merciful that I lived for Jesus every day of my life. That's what I want for my kids. To me, that's the greatest testimony that I've ever heard. But we can't be in the place of comparing them because God says I'm showing off through both. Because I can save broken people and I can sustain those who are mine. And it's a testimony that God says I put in you because I want to show the world just how gracious I am. And church, can I tell you, we've got to become a little more bold about our testimony. This is that next step in in being able to practically step into what it means to be radical for Jesus is to say, I'm so in awe of what God has done for me, whether I've been in church my entire life or I just got saved last week or maybe hopefully I can get saved today. The mercy of God is so big and I just want to tell everybody about it. You know, I love baby Christians. When a baby Christian gets saved, they want to tell everybody. Where they, they want to, and they, and you know, it's a little awkward for us who are, you know, dignified saved. How are you doing today? Good. Jesus saved me. Man, I used to be like this, and all of a sudden the Lord came into my life, and I'm saved. Good. Uh, what's your name? Well, I have a new name because it's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay. But you know what? There's such an excitement in a baby Christian because they have this very fresh and real understanding of what God has done for them. What happens? We get old and dignified and we forget just how precious the salvation of God is. And he says, you know what? Every one of you were dead in sins. Every single one of you. It's the great leveling of all humanity that no matter how good you thought you were, how terrible you thought you were, we all needed Jesus. God says, I'm showing off through your testimony. Then in verses 8-10, through he says this, God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. I don't have to be a prophet to know that there are people in this room who at some point in your life you were told you're not enough. Maybe you were told you weren't smart enough, you weren't pretty enough, you weren't athletic enough, or maybe even worse, you were told you were stupid, you were worthless, any of those things. And God says right here in the book of Ephesians through Paul, He says, I want you to know that I saw you and I said you were my masterpiece. 
You were my masterpiece. You were the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. You were worth it to me. And when we look at this and we see that God loved us that much, and, and this is so important because as Paul is, is saying this to the Ephesian church, it's during a time where the idea of being saved by your works is really prevalent. Coming out of the Old Testament where there are over 600 laws that people have to live by, and, and you know everything is I do this and this and this, and the more laws I obey, the more saved I am and the more I love God. And he has to combat that to some extent because he says everybody wants to go around, and especially the Pharisees, the Sadducees, this religious elite, they want to go around and brag about just how saved they are as if they did something themselves. But when we come face to face with what Jesus has done for us and we really truly understand the grace of God, we've got nothing to brag about because all of it was done by God. And that's exactly what he says here. It was a gift of God because none of us have anything to brag about. We all we're going to be dead without what Jesus did for us. But this is the point here because we need to understand in order to live radically for Jesus that He did not save us simply so that we could sit back and say, I'm saved. I don't have to go to hell. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. Please don't get me wrong. It's amazing. But this was not the reason that God saved us. He said in the, the verses before this, I have put a testimony in your heart of my faithfulness and my grace so that you can share it with the world around you. And he says, on top of this, I have given you new purpose. You are no longer dead in sin. You're no longer those who are carried off by the things of this world. You are now God's masterpiece. And he says, I am drawing the image of myself on you. I'm drawing the image of my mercy and my grace and my compassion. I'm drawing it on you. And you now have a new purpose. But church, can I tell you that understanding the purpose that God has for our lives is very radical. Because we're living in a world where everything is just about me. It's about what I want. It's about what makes me most comfortable. It's about what makes me happiest. It's about getting the things that I want. And even in our own Christian conversations when we're talking about the concept of blessing, we so often equate blessing with how much stuff we have. When we look at these verses, and when we truly understand the grace of God and what He has done for us, we reach a point where we say to ourselves, I would trade all the stuff of my life before I would give away the grace of God for what He has given me. This is the one thing that I can't live without. And to be truly blessed is not to have the biggest house, the nicest car, the fullest bank account, the greatest health, and the greatest relationships, things that are important to us. I'm not trying to minimize them in any way. But what matters most is the blessing that God has given to us. He says, it is a gift from God. It's called salvation. I gave it as a gift you know, when we take hold of that gift, our new purpose becomes this. I'm no longer living to earn my salvation. I'm no longer living to please self. But I want my life as a form of worship to every day give glory to God. This is my new purpose as a follower of Jesus. It's not just to keep building for myself a bigger kingdom, a better life. I want my life to point to Jesus in everything that I do. Church, that's radical. It's radical in the world that we live in. When you are surrendering the things of your life 
for the glory of God, it's radical. I've probably shared this before, but it's something I think about all the time. That when I worked construction before I became a pastor, all right, I was a roughneck construction worker preacher. And I would talk to people, and we worked in the union. Everybody knew exactly how much everybody made because we all got paid the exact same. And I remember having a conversation with somebody, and they said, you tithe to your church. I said, yes, I do. I give 10% of what I make to the church. And they're like, that's a lot of money. I said, yes, it is. Then they followed up with this. I said, you could buy a brand new truck with that. I was like, okay. What's a brand new truck going to do for me when I need Jesus? You know, I left the Carpenters Union in 2012, but I was in the middle of it in the recession that we as a nation went through for 2008 and 2009. And can I tell you, I tithe faithfully to the Lord. And in 2009, I made $40,000 less than I did the year before. And my family did not want for anything. We never went hungry. We never lost a thing. We didn't have our electric. We had everything that we needed. And when I got to the end of that year and I looked at it and I said, man, we we made $40,000 less than we did the year. How in the world did we make it through that year? Can I tell you? It's because I surrendered to Jesus. I believe that one million percent. And it's radical when you do that. It's radical to the world around you when you say, I'm going to be surrendered to go serve in my church. I'm going to be surrendered to go serve in my community. I'm going to be surrendered to give to the Lord. I'm going to be surrendered. And it's radical when you do those things because everybody else in the world thinks it's foolishness. But God says, you're my masterpiece. And I'm using your life to show the world around you just how good I can be. I'm showing off through you. And I'm showing the world that I love them too. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for your mercy in our lives. We thank you that you love us so much. And God, I do pray that there would be an excitement in our hearts as we fully seek to understand how precious the gift of salvation is. Lord, it was undeserved. And in truth, the less excited we are about that, the more we've convinced ourselves that maybe we did earn it. Maybe we did deserve it. But God, there's no one on this earth who deserved for your son Jesus to die for them. Whether we think ourselves good or the most wicked person we've ever heard of, we did not deserve it. But that's the measure of your love. God, I pray that you would raise up in each and one of your sons and daughters this desire to live out loud for you, to live radically for you, to realize that their testimony is a great weapon of warfare against the enemy, that it changes lives and it draws people to you. It helps others to know your love in their lives. God, help us to live with purpose and to bring glory to you. As we're in prayer this morning and every eye is closed, I just want to ask you because it's always important to me to make sure that we secure this for every one of us. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, I don't know that I've ever fully accepted what Jesus has done for me, or maybe I've never even heard it before, or I've never made the decision to say, I want this gift of salvation, this gift of mercy that God has for me. I want this.
If that's you, I want to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray with you this morning because God has this gift stored up for you. Anybody in here? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're here this morning, and as we've been talking about becoming more radical for Jesus, you can say to yourself, you know what, there's been a point in my life where I realized with much greater understanding just how precious it was to be saved by God. To want to live with purpose for what He's called me to do and let my life to just be lived out loud everywhere. Not, not just in the comfortable places or the easy places, but, but everywhere. I want to be radical for Jesus. And if that's you, I want to ask you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I ask you to stand as we prepare to close together? You know, whether one person or a hundred raises their hand, I always want to lead us in the prayer of salvation together because it's worth it. It's the starting point of what God can do through you. And all it takes is your profession of faith to say that I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. I confess that out loud with my life and not just my words. The Bible tells us that if we do that, that we can be, just as described here, those who were once dead in sin, but who are now alive in Christ, who are His masterpiece and have been given new purpose. So I want to lead you in this prayer as we pray together this morning. And then I want to pray for those of you who raised your hand as well. So will you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, thank You for loving me when I didn't deserve it, for sending Your Son to die for me though I could never repay it. I want to receive the gift of salvation and to be yours and to live for you alone in Jesus' name. God, I also pray for those in here who realize that living radically for you shouldn't be radical. That living every day out loud for you should be normal. And God, I pray that you would help each of us, Lord, in some way to take steps in our lives and to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make the decision, if need be, to make things a little uncomfortable, but I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to bring an attack against the enemy of God's people by living out loud for Jesus so that the world around me can see how good He is. I want to be the masterpiece of God that He's called me to be. I'm going to live with purpose like God has called me to live. And Lord, I pray that you will be with those who are in that place and give us not only the challenge, Father God, but give us the opportunity. And I pray, Lord, that even today for those who raise their hand, that as they see an opportunity and an opening, while this is fresh in their minds and on their hearts, God, that they would step into that and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to pray for that person or share my testimony with this person because I want to live radically for Jesus. And God, we thank you that you sustain us in all things. And I pray, Lord, that as we become more radical for you this year, that your name will truly be glorified and the people will be saved. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, as you go, you have opportunity ahead of you to live radically for Jesus. Do it. Take a step today. Something. Talk to someone. Pray for someone. Share with someone. Love on somebody like you've never done before but share the love of Jesus. Love on each other and encourage each other in Jesus' name. Have a blessed afternoon and be encouraged by the fellowship of family.